Welcome into Locked On Nets. On today's show, Marcus and I will recap a thrilling triple overtime victory for the Brooklyn Nets and give out our platonic valentines from the first half of this NBA season. All that and more coming up on Locked On Nets. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Nets here. Uh, as I mentioned, I am your host, Josh Bass. And joining me to recap uh, what was a thrilling triple overtime game that probably shouldn't have been as close as it was, Marcus Barahal. Marcus, how are you doing today? I'm great because of that win, Josh. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day to you and, and your uh, boo, Sarah, as well. Wow. I think that might be her first shout out on the pod. I'm sure she's very, very pleased. We can redact her name if you want. I don't care. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, Marcus, this game last night was pretty uh, intense. I think I was texting you uh, saying, if they win, we're going to do a podcast first thing in the morning. And if we lose, we're not going to do a podcast until either night or maybe... Maybe ever again. Yeah, ever again. Because, you know, this was... The Nets had a really bad loss to Chicago a couple days ago. Had a, a really good effort against um, Toronto... Uh, that ended up being a loss as well. But you look at this team saying 29-29, and 29, going into the All-Star break, playing uh, a pitiful Cleveland team that can really only beat the Knicks at this point. And if the Nets had lost that, I would be like, okay, come on, what's happening here? It would have been uh, another loss. Now we have a streak going on saying, listen, Charlotte's in our rearview mirror. Uh, Detroit's in our rearview mirror. Maybe these are teams that could even catch the Nets, and, and maybe the Nets slip out of the playoffs. So they needed to get this win against such a bad team. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't easy, but they pulled it out. Yeah, completely agree. And like you mentioned on the last podcast, because of all the time off in between this and the next game, like, it was just like, this would really linger one way or the other. Like, it would either really lift everyone's spirits going to the All-Star break, or it could have been a real downer. So obviously good that the Nets pulled it out and got to 30 wins. And I think they're over 500 now for the first time in seven years, six years, something like that. At the All-Star break? Yeah. Yeah, because I guess the... The last time they made the playoffs, uh, when they were the eighth seed against going up against Atlanta, that was a team that I think finished under 500, and they had to uh, really make a run just to even solidify their spot in the playoffs. I think they finished uh, maybe 38 and 44, but yeah, the Nets last year went 28 and 54, uh, 30 wins now at the All Star break, surpassing last year's mark. And this is a team really when you're looking at the main change. Went one in fifteen, and I can't believe I'm saying that one in fifteen in division last year, and now they're seven and six, and they're beating up. This wasn't a division opponent last night, but they're getting wins against these uh, these bad teams. And you know, Cleveland's horrible. I'm not going to mince any words. Colin Sexton is kind of just running the show there, just gunning as much as possible. Clarkson took 34 shots. Uh, Marquise Chris was is allowed to kind of do whatever he wants. He actually had some nice moments, but uh, you know. The Nets team, they should have been able to run away with last night, and they just didn't. And it's it's um, it's tough to see because Joe Harris played really well, but D'Angelo Russell, I mean, we can talk about his heroics in the third quarter, but he wasn't able to get it going. He started 4 of 17 from the field, 1 of 6 uh, in the first half with 6 turnovers. Luckily, he cleaned that up a bit, but he's it's two consecutive games in a row for him where he had really slow starts, and I'm starting to get a bit worried because what's going to happen when he plays those top teams uh, in the playoffs? Yeah, he definitely was not great to start the game in the first half. I think he just had two points in the first half. So, I mean, it's possible that it's just fatigue and from carrying the load. So maybe the All-Star break does something to help that. But like you said, the Cavs are 
really bad. I was I like couldn't stop laughing when uh, Zizic fouled out at the end, and he was like the fourth guy to foul out for them. I, I was like they they don't really have anyone left. Like they they barely have any any NBA players to start with, and they're kind of dang it out. Yeah, yeah, came in there. Technically not an NBA player, but um, <laughs> I was listening to the Cavs broadcast um, because I had to stream it, and. Uh, <laughs> They were like when Nwaba found out, they're like, "Oh no, we're gonna miss such a big piece of our team." He's bounced around the league so much over the last like eighteen months that it's crazy to me that any team wants to rely on Nwaba. But uh, that's where we come to with this Cavs team. Uh, Marcus, I, I want to quickly like before we get into the full D'Angelo Russell thing because he was on fire in that fourth or in that third overtime, dropping I think fourteen points in in the period. Uh, he just really couldn't be stopped and put the team on his back. Um, someone tweeted us yesterday, and this was from uh, at Joe Pie Skates, saying, "My guy Jared Allen has to get better around the rim on offense." LOL. And I, I agree with this because for some reason, and I tweeted back out at him, um, follow us at Locked On Net, saying, "Jared Allen, you know he's he's very good uh, like finishing around the rim, but kind of when he gets in that three to five foot range, his touch is soft, but it just never goes in. There were a lot of times where he was leaving the ball." right on the rim, just couldn't finish uh, that play at the end of the second overtime where, you know, I, I guess he didn't get fouled on that. Uh, I think Delhi made a nice uh, weak side help on that and they kind of went straight up, but he's really struggling to finish in traffic and for him to really unlock his development and this Nets offense, he really needs to improve on that. Is that just a matter of getting stronger? Yeah, I think that's definitely a big part of it. And I thought what you just said was an interesting point where his touch does look soft, but they just like don't really go in. Like I don't really see him breaking a ton of shots. They more just like kind of float off the rim, which is I guess kind of an encouraging sign because you think maybe if he can just put that little bit of strength in and then push him over the top, maybe he'll be finishing more. But yeah, definitely I mean from a center who like pretty much only dunks, it's tough to see 4 for 11 as his like shooting numbers for the night. So hopefully he picks that up. Obviously you're not going to see a big strength increase until the offseason, so that's something probably for next year to work on. Yeah, it's like when he takes a three, and sometimes it'll like look good coming off his hand, and then it's just two feet to the right, and it's like, just <laughs> no, and aim it the other way. What are you doing? Get it in the hoop. Yeah, he's not like, uh, it's not like DeAndre Jordan taking a free throw or something where it's just like completely unwatchable and everyone has to like duck out of the way. Yeah, and Jared Allen, like, he was two for four from the line in this game, but he's generally, like, a pretty decent free throw shooter for a big guy, especially. Yeah, so it's surprising that his, I'm looking at his stats now, and I think from three to ten foot range, he's on about, shooting about 39% this season, which, like, isn't the worst thing in the world, but it's also not where he should be. He should be around more like 45. Uh, and in these games where Cleveland has a, I mean, they have a pretty athletic team when you look at it. I guess not their starting lineup that much because it's Osman, Zizic, and Brandon Knight. Um, but guys off the bench, they bring in like Larry Nance and Marquise. Chris are athletic, and they can compete with Jared Allen. So he's going to need to to really work on his touch because you can't always get an easy dunk to the basket. Um, Marcus, what do you make of, I guess, Joe Harris in this game, 9 of 12 from the field, and it seems like he always plays well against his former team. Uh, I went to a, a Cavs-Nets game last year where he dropped 30-plus, and that was his career high. He just loves playing his former team. And uh, did you expect this hot streak from him coming out of the – um, kind of going into the all-star break um not really but maybe he's just kind of set and like prepared for the three-point contest and he's trying to get some extra reps in i don't know because he's been red hot the last two games i think if my math is correct i think he's 16 of 21 from the field in the last two games and he just i i i, I don't think i've ever seen him miss a shot i'm pretty sure he has at some point just because the box score says he was 9 of 12 
but I, I don't remember it. I think he made all of his shots. Yeah, listen, I, I would believe you on that. And I think for him, like, of, of all these nets in All-Star Weekend, I think I'm going to be rooting for him the most in three-point contests. I really want, yeah. he, he needs that W. I completely agree. And he, he needs some shine, too. He needs some love from the national media, you know. Absolutely, he does. And I feel like he's starting to get that, um, especially when uh, the Nets re-signed him this past offseason, two years, $16 million. Everyone's like, wow, great contract for Joe Harris, and he's really stepped it up, and now he's getting pieces um, written up by uh, on him, I think in the Wall Street Journal it was. So he's really raising his profile, and uh, I think he, the people embrace him as the common man that rides the subway to his job, and his job just happens to be a professional uh, basketball player. He has a big bushy beard, normal guy. So that's going to do it here for segment one on Lockdown Nets. Coming up, we'll kind of recap the first half of the season and discuss a little bit on who is our Valentine for the first half of the season from the Brooklyn Nets, all that and more. Marcus, before we get into uh, a bit more of a a fun matter, let's talk about the guy who was the savior for the Nets last night and really prevented this embarrassing win in the third third overtime. I I keep getting that wrong because there usually aren't three overtimes. Uh, but D'Angelo Russell, he finished the night with 36 points on 13 of 30 shooting, but he went, was just red hot in that third overtime, making tough shot after tough shot. And really Cleveland just had no answer for him. Yeah. And I could tell, I think it was like maybe a minute or so into the third overtime that he was just not going to miss because he got fouled like on a drive on the floor on one play and then just kind of flipped the ball up. Like kind of almost like Steph Curry in warmups, like just throwing it really high, and it swished straight in. And I said, "Oh, he's he's locked in." And then he like didn't really miss a shot. I think he was six for six in the third overtime for fourteen points in five minutes, which is absurd. I mean, if you not to do any any per thirty six, I don't know if you can translate that, but fourteen points in five minutes. So they multiply that by seven, you get like ninety over ninety points. So if if yeah, if you if you can keep that up, I mean, D'Lo could be dropping 100 one of these days after the All-Star break. So that would be that'd be something to see for sure. But obviously, we talked about it. We talked about it earlier. He was not great in the first half, and then part of I guess being an All-Star and a leader, like he was clearly the best guy on the floor, even when he wasn't making shots. Like he needs to take that onus on himself and kind of lead the Nets, and that's exactly what he did in the overtimes. Obviously, a big shot for Damari Carroll to like give him the opportunity to even. Uh, have that third overtime to put up 14 points, but uh, D'Lo really led the way and led the charge in the overtimes. Yep, absolutely. And I feel like when he really heats up, it's almost like his, the shots he's taking, the jumpers especially, they just float even higher in the air before going in. And I, I love that parallel where it's like you get more confident and then all of a sudden you're just shooting the ball higher because you know at some point it's going to drop down to earth and, and float into the basket. But yeah, he was cooking. Uh, I mean, as poorly as he played, kind of, for most of the game, he definitely stepped it up. And I think it is it is encouraging, even though he's struggling at the beginning of games, these games that used to be um, him finishing like 4 of 12 from the field with 5 turnovers, now he's able to salvage it with like he did in Toronto, like he did in Cleveland, because you know he's going to impact the game at some point. And it, sometimes it's not the first half. Sometimes it's the third quarter. Sometimes it's the last five minutes. Sometimes it's the third overtime. But it, he's going to do it, and it really is... It's something to, to remark at because he's really been able to um, increase his game-by-game game consistency, even though he doesn't necessarily have it from quarter to quarter. Yeah, and I feel like you never see him have a bad entire game anymore. Like, if he struggles, it's like we saw in this game. It's limited to, like, a half or so. So that's a big turning point, I think, for him to kind of put it together, at least for a stretch of a game, every game. Definitely. Um, and, and that's why he's an all-star, Marcus. So yeah. 
the, the Nets were, were going into the All-Star break at 30-29. and 29, And, you know, I've had a lot of casual NBA fans that I'm friends with say, oh, it's the halfway point of the season. It's actually not the halfway point. It's almost the three-quarters mark. I don't understand why people are looking at the All-Star break versus the amount of games played. But that's just a, a side note that's been frustrating me. Completely agree. Yeah. It's like, no, it's, we're, we're, we're way past that. The season ends in April. It's February, and it started in October. What would make you think that it's halfway through? We, yeah, there's we've played like almost 60 games, basically. <laughs> um, but anyway, Marcus, it is Valentine's Day today. Um, and I know you're, I'm sure you're celebrating with Sarah, her second mention on this podcast. But wow. give me your platonic Valentine for um, the first, uh, the pre-All-Star part of this net season. Who has really won you over and that you're smitten with? I'm going to give it to D'Angelo Russell. You know, I was a little skeptical of him. You know, he was playing a little hard to get maybe at first, but uh, we, we bumped into each other in the hallway. We both dropped our papers on the ground, and we were kind of picking them up. He picked up some of mine. I picked some, picked up some of his. We gave them to each other, and then we looked up, and we made eye contact. You know, I I fell in love, and uh, there it was. You know, I was, I was obviously a big Spencer Dinwiddie fan before this. Uh, I don't know if that's obvious, but... To me, it was obvious, uh, and uh, he was kind of my guy, and he still is. You know, I still love Dinwiddie, but uh, Delo's just really impressed me throughout the season with his growth, his passing ability, his ball fakes, head fakes. He's a really crafty player, and uh, yeah, he's my first part of the season, not half. Valentine. Gotcha. Okay, for me, uh, I'll work off that narrative. It's the foreign student, Rodion's Karutz. Hmm. The exchange student. Yeah, actually, no. He's kind of like the wacky neighbor that's become a big surprise. And, like, you don't expect anything from him. It's actually like, oh, this guy's cool. Like, I can chill with him. But for me, it's the orchestrator of this whole thing, and that's Sean Marks. From his drafting of guys like Brody Karutz, and uh, I still think Jean and Musa could make an impact down the line and, and maybe next year or two, um, finding reclamation projects like, or not reclamation projects, but I guess D'Angelo Russell. I mean, the Lakers cast him off. Joe Harris had been cast off by Cleveland. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie was in the G League. No one wanted him. Lavert had a ton of foot injuries at, uh, at Michigan. He was someone that was flagged by a lot of teams. I mean, looking at what Sean Marks has done to go from uh, taking over from Billy King, that whole disastrous era, and now three years later with the help of Kenny Atkinson and his development team, to have this Nets team at 30-29 and 29 in a good position to make the playoffs. And 30-29, and 29, even though they've had a lot of injuries to Karis Lavert. Now Spencer Dinwiddie, Travion Graham was out. Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb as well. Uh, and now looking where they are and, and saying that they're in a position that they could be uh, of interest to a max free agent this offseason. They're getting a lot of credit around the league. And for me, Sean Marks has done such a great job managing this. Yeah, completely agree. He's definitely, I mean, he he's, like you said, he's taken shots on guys who just were kind of given up on even guys like Carroll like who people thought maybe his career was over he's made an impact and uh he's been a really welcome addition to team Dudley too like those veteran guys also yeah I mean his signings have for the most part just worked out so well and I don't think there's any GM in the league right now that has the success rate that he has on kind of these um lower like either end of the roster or draft guys uh because yeah he hasn't had those slam dunk top 10 picks lottery picks um, yeah, and uh, you mentioned Kuruks, who was the 40th pick, and he's like the lowest drafted guy, I think, that's going to be in the Rising Stars game tomorrow. So another testament and another kind of flower in the cap of Sean Marks. Yep, absolutely. And I think 
Um, you know, the Nets have struggled a little bit these last couple games, but we wanted to definitely use this as a time to kind of um, reflect on how good this first half of the season has been and touch on some of the highlights that those guys have had. So hope you guys enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, we'll be back to you uh, a couple times throughout this All-Star break. We want to do a full comprehensive mailbag. We know we've been promising one for a while and want to get that to you guys. But in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNets. I am at Bass underscore. Marcus is at Marcus Barahal. Uh, subscribe to the podcast and please rate and review us. We want to hear your feedback and uh, we'll be tweeting out that link to, or not that link, but tweeting out where you can send us your mailbag questions and um, looking forward to answering the questions that you guys have for us on our beloved Brooklyn Nets. And until then, we will speak to you. Bye.